48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Kenny Hodgearch. The headlines this lunchtime. The Sports Federation and Olympic Committee of Hong Kong issues guidelines to members on ensuring proper use of the national anthem and the SAR's flag at events. Defence Minister Wei Feng He tells his US counterpart Lloyd Austin that Taiwan is at the core of China's core interests and survivors of an earthquake that struck the Indonesian province of West Java on Monday have appealed for food and water. The Sports Federation and Olympic Committee of Hong Kong has issued guidelines to its members on ensuring proper use of the national anthem and the SAR's flag at events. Aaron Tam has details. Athletes are instructed to hold up their hands and make a T gesture to express their objection if they notice anything amiss with the anthem or the flag. If the mistake is not corrected, teams must leave the venue. The Federation says teams that fail to follow the guidelines will face sanctions, including a possible loss of government funding. The guidelines were brought in after a series of blunders involving the anthem at international rugby games. Meanwhile, the president of Asia Rugby, Case Abdullah Al-Dalai, paid a visit to the SAR to personally apologize for the playing of a song associated with violent protests in 2019 in place of March of the Volunteers at a recent tournament in South Korea. He told Chief Secretary Eric Chan steps were being taken to avoid a repeat of the incident. The government says the Deputy Financial Secretary, Michael Wong, is isolating after testing positive for COVID-19. He was last at work yesterday and hasn't travelled recently. A spokesman said his office was being thoroughly disinfected. His wife, the Commissioner for Labour, Mei Chan, is also quarantining at home. The government's being urged to make sure the two local power firms do more to source cheap natural gas supplies in future to mitigate soaring global energy prices. In January, power bills for Hong Kong Electric and CLP Power are set to rise by 45 and 20% respectively, compared to a year earlier. Climate economist William Yu, who's CEO of the World Green Organization, says a global search for cheaper fuel would help. I think it's a worldwide phenomenon that the energy price uh, continues to rise. Uh, That's the the fact. But I think hopefully uh, we can have some uh, liquefied natural gas that we can find at a cheaper price if we allow, you know, a a global search. And I I think the government should pay more effort to supervise two utilities to uh, to do the fuel surge at a lower price. Grassroots groups have warned the inflation-busting increases will hit poorer households hardest and urge the government to offer subsidies. Defence Minister Wei Feng He has told his US counterpart Lloyd Austin that Taiwan is at the core of China's core interests and was a red line that must not be crossed. It's the first time the ministers met since a visit to Taiwan by US House Speaker Nancy Pelosi in August. Tom McAllendon reports. 
In their second face-to-face meeting, Wei Fengher told Lloyd Austin that the resolution of Taiwan is a matter for Chinese people and that no external force has the right to interfere. Mr Wei added that the United States must respect China's core interests and hopes it could adopt a rational, practical policy towards China and get China-US relations back on track. Mr Austin, meanwhile, emphasised the need to improve crisis communications. The roughly 90-minute meeting in Cambodia was described as productive and professional by a US official. It was the pair's first since a visit to Taiwan by U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi in August in Rage, Beijing. A senior U.S. defense official speaking anonymously said the two also had a lengthy discussion about Taiwan and talked about restarting some of the mechanisms that had been cancelled after Ms. Pelosi's visit in the coming months. Australia's latest official climate survey predicts that more extreme weather can be expected. In their biennial State of the Climate report, the Bureau of Meteorology and the National Science Agency say temperatures are now 1.5 degrees Celsius warmer than when records began 100 years ago. The BBC's Phil Mercer is in Sydney. This is a grim assessment of Australia's climate. The report expects more heat waves and warns that rainfall will become more intense. Bushfire seasons are predicted to be longer and increasingly dangerous. The study says the severity of warmer temperatures will depend on the speed at which global greenhouse gas emissions can be reduced. Australia's Science Minister Ed Husick said it reinforced the urgent need for action on climate change. Survivors of an earthquake that struck the Indonesian province of West Java on Monday have appealed for food and water. The area continues to experience aftershocks, with many people afraid to return to their homes. Heavy rains may worsen conditions. West Java's governor, Ridwan Kamil, says all means are being used to search for those still trapped. Many people are still missing, mostly in the remote area in the up hill or in the mountain tops so now we are using also the uh, helicopter and not only the ground transportations some roads to the hilltop is still damaged and therefore we are doing a walking uh, search and rescue by motorbike the u.s supreme court has approved the release of donald trump's tax returns to a congressional committee the verdict marks a legal defeat for the republican former president the bbc's barbara plett usher reports This case traces back to Donald Trump's refusal to make his tax returns public in 2016, the only presidential candidate to do so in decades. When the Democrats gained control of the House a few years later, they argued they needed to see his tax records to determine, they said, whether the Internal Revenue Service could properly audit a president who owned hundreds of businesses and used aggressive tax avoidance strategies. Mr. Trump moved to block them in court, calling the request politically motivated. But the Supreme Court has now finally cleared the release of the documents, just weeks before Republicans are set to retake control of the House. The British Foreign Secretary says London plans to engage more closely with emerging economies in Africa and elsewhere. James Cleverly said there was a global competition of ideas taking place and Britain needed to forge new relationships with what he called the partners of the future. He said the new relationships should be mutually beneficial, focusing on familiar issues such as trade and climate change, but also energy transition and health collaboration. The move comes as Britain is cutting humanitarian and development aid to Africa. 
A lawyer acted, acting for the collapsed cryptocurrency exchange FTX has told a bankruptcy hearing in the US that a substantial amount of its assets have either been lost or stolen. The court was told the firm collapsed after being run as a personal fiefdom of its young billionaire CEO, Sam Bankman-Fried. The BBC's Joe Tidy reports. There were nearly 700 people tuned into the hearing remotely and dozens more inside the Delaware courthouse for this, the first bankruptcy hearing into FTX. The court heard how Sam Bankman-Fried had spent hundreds of millions on holiday homes and property and not kept accurate records of his company's finances. It's been revealed that the emperor had no clothes, lawyers said. More than a million people who purchased and stored cryptocurrency coins with FTX are waiting to find out if the bankruptcy team can get them their money back. But after their initial investigations, lawyers say it doesn't look good, with only a few hundred million in the coffers and billions owed to customers. The head of Ukraine's electricity operator has said the country has practically no undamaged thermal and hydroelectric power plants after six waves of massive Russian missile attacks. Volodymyr Kertretsky said some targets had been hit as many as eight times and the energy problems were compounded by the current cold weather. The scale of the damage is colossal. After every widespread missile attack, we need some time to repower most energy consumers and renew the capability to provide them with electricity through the grid. People across Ukraine are suffering rolling blackouts. The authorities in Belgium have warned that they've seized so much cocaine they are struggling to dispose of it. It's believed the Belgian port authorities are on track to confiscate more than 100 tonnes of the drug this year and have been forced to store it in closely guarded warehouses. The BBC's Harry Bly reports. The port city of Antwerp is thought to be the main entry point for getting cocaine into Europe. Last year, customs officers confiscated 90,000 kilograms of the drug, the highest on record for Belgium and 40% of all the cocaine seized in Europe. The amount of cocaine confiscated is likely to be even higher this year. Just last week, officers found almost eight tonnes smuggled in a banana container from Ecuador. But this has just added to the enormous backlog the so-called cocaineberg, that Antwerp officials are desperately trying to destroy, but can't. There are warehouses of cocaine waiting to be incinerated, but because of environmental and safety reasons, only one and a half tonnes can be destroyed at a time, and there's only one specially licensed incinerator. Belgium's Justice Minister has acknowledged the problem and has said additional incinerator capacity is being sought. But details of how the drugs are being disposed of and the whereabouts of the cocaine halls are a closely guarded secret. Extra officers have been deployed by the Antwerp police amid fears that gangs may attack the storage sites. To sport and the Qatar World Cup where Argentina's shock 2-1 defeat to Saudi Arabia last night is still being felt. Mohamed Kukpa is a journalist who covers Arab football. He says it was the greatest moment in Saudi Arabia's football history. This is one game you would buy the newspapers next day to make sure it actually happened. It was absolutely unbelievable in the stands. Um, thousands, tens of thousands of Saudi fans. It was never like that in any previous World Cup for Saudi Arabia. It was actually like playing in Riyadh or in Jeddah or any other Saudi city. And to come back 
from 1-0 down earlier on the game against Argentina, led by the mighty Lionel Messi, is an absolutely astonishing moment, not just for Saudi football, for Arabic football, for Asian football. I can't think of another upset I've seen in my life watching the World Cup is something that would stand out in the history of Saudi football, I think, forever. Journalist Marcella Mora Arrojo watched the match in Argentina and described the reaction back home. So much just taken for granted that we were embarking upon an adventure that would win the World Cup. That in a way, it's uh, you know, it's quite it's quite a kind of coming down to earth, a little bit painfully. It's a you know a reality check. World Cup holders France shook off their injury woes with a come-from-behind come 4-1 win over Australia. Olivier Giroud scored twice to match Thierry Henry as France's all-time top scorer. Kylian Mbappé and Adrian Rabiot were also on target. In the same group, Denmark were given a workout by Tunisia, Tunisia in a match that ended without a goal. The BBC's John Bennett was watching. Yes, there were big smiles from the Tunisia fans as they left the Education City Stadium a few hours ago. And you can understand why, because the team put in a really good performance, full of passion, full of energy and quality as well. This is a team that had been written off by many. I'll admit it, I wrote them off as well because they didn't have a great Africa Cup of Nations. They, they weren't brilliant in the lead up to the tournament, but... Um, a really real complete performance today by Tunisia. They were, they were the better side at times. Both teams had goals disallowed for offside. Andreas Cornelius should have scored for Denmark, hit the post from close range. Christian Eriksen forced a really good save from the Tunisia goalkeeper as well. Right at the end, there was VAR drama. There was a check about a possible handball, which would have given Denmark a penalty. The referee went to the screen, but stuck by his original decision, no penalty. So this was a performance that the Tunisia fans can be really proud of. Mexico versus Poland also ended goalless. Guillermo Ochoa stopped a penalty shot from star striker Robert Lewandowski to preserve a point for the Mexicans. Meanwhile, the owners of Manchester United say they're considering selling the English Premier League football club. The Glazer family bought United for about a billion dollars. Here's the BBC's Simon Stone. In a lengthy seven-paragraph statement, the Premier League clubs say they are to explore strategic alternatives for the club, one of which could be to sell it. The Glazers bought United in 2005, but supporters have been hostile towards them due to the leveraged nature of the purchase, which still leaves them over £500 million in debt, plus a perceived lack of investment in the team and its Old Trafford Stadium. Quick look at the weather. Cloudy with showers, moderate to fresh east to northeasterly winds. The outlook, windy and still showery tomorrow. Showers will ease gradually into the end of the week. The current temperature is 25 degrees with humidity of 88%. Top stories once again. The Sports Federation and Olympic Committee of Hong Kong issues guidelines to members on ensuring proper use of the national anthem and the SAR's flag. Defence Minister Wei Feng He tells his US counterpart Lloyd Austin that Taiwan is at the core of China's interests and survivors of an earthquake that struck the Indonesian province of West Java on Monday have appealed for food and water. The news from RTHK. On your radio and live online, this is The Brew Till Two.
Wayne on Radio 3, even though she's Canadian. And Waking Up Dreaming, we're into the last 20 and a bit minutes of today's brew, because it's such a massively long Wagnerian programme. In about oh, 10 minutes or so, going to catch up with trumpet player to the stars, Paul Archibald, who's going to be joining us live from Bangkok to talk about composers that were into and wrote about footy. <laughs> Yeah! 